Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, good morning, everyone. It is caucus, and we are back for another meeting. We don't get to lie down. We don't get a cup of tea. This thing is still, <laughs> we need one, this thing is still, still are we, going. Are we there yet? I, I reckon. When the I, most politicians, I think now, just think, can it just be the Saturday? Can oh, it no. just be the Saturday? We're just speeding along at you know a hundred k's an hour with no seatbelts at this point. Oh this is, yeah. boy, what a week! What yep, a week! What and a week. another week to come. Hey, um, I'm Tim Watkin, and uh, this is caucus. And I'm Lisa Owen. And I'm Guy Espiner. And it is um, coming up to 10 o'clock on um, Thursday morning, uh, just so you know when we recorded this, because things are changing. <laughs> Let's kick off with financial credibility, because Guy, you've just come out of what was, um, mm. a, um, a, your word was feisty, um, a good spirited, and, um, and I quite like these things, because heat sometimes um, actually hones things, doesn't it, and shows some things. Well, that's right. Um, Grant Robertson and Stephen Joyce going head-to-head in one of many debates that they've done on finance uh, over this election campaign, but obviously it's reached a new level of real intensity because of the attack that was launched this week by Stephen Joyce on Labor's fiscal credibility, claiming there was an $11.7 billion hole. Um, I asked Stephen Joyce this morning whether he could name one other person in New Zealand. Mm. Not, not, didn't have to be an economist. Didn't have to be someone who was super smart with numbers. I just wanted one name of someone who agreed with him. And pretty embarrassingly, I thought, he, he couldn't he couldn't do that. Um, so, but he's doubling down, though. He's not backing away from it. And that is the interesting thing. So you then have to sort of start looking at the broader picture, don't you, and wonder... Is it just pure tactics? And he is the master of tactics. You know, people who who don't know, who, who only know him as the finance minister, not the campaign manager, which is what he is and has been for a number of years. Yeah, and a good record too. And, a, and an incredible record. And, yeah. and we'll, we're going to get into the financial credibility and some of those numbers in a minute, which I know you guys have got some really good insights on. Um, me less so because you guys are better at numbers than me. But um, <laughs> But the politics is interesting, is that... Stephen Joyce has been has got this great record, tarnished by Northland, which didn't play well for him. I I know I look at this campaign now and it seems so familiar, right? It's tactically, um, it is still trying to strike fear into the heart of of, of good fearing taxpayers over tax. It is you know um, you, you look at 2011 and 2014. Words like holes in the budget well, were the same right. were used then. That's right, and we've, we've got so the, familiar. We've got the press leaders debate tonight, and I know we'll talk more about leadership and debates later. But that that was the scene of the crime, the the show yeah. me the money moment. And this is going back to basics for National, isn't it? Trying to is. paint Labour as, as fiscally irresponsible. And that was definitely what um, Stephen Joyce was trying to do. It has shades to me of Labour's attack with the H fee in 2008. It's not as bad and as personal as that in my view. This is mm. when Mike Williams scurried off to uh, Melbourne to try to find some ancient document that John Key had signed, which was a dirty deal, and Pete Hodgson was with him. And... It has the feeling of a desperate attempt 
by a regime that fears losing power. That is the feeling of it to me. Mm. And I don't think that he's done a good job with this as a, as a tactic. I think he's over-egged it, and I think it's blown up in his face this time. Yeah, I think you're right. He has over-egged it, and I do think it is an own goal. The thing is, I mean, these things are on a knife edge, aren't they? If he had just taken it back a notch, maybe two notches, actually, if he'd just taken it back a notch and sort of said, actually, I've looked at Labour's numbers, and I'm really concerned that they are tight, that there's not much wiggle room here, don't know how they're going to afford all of these things. Um, If he had raised some of those issues, like, for example, um, Kiwi Build, which is one of Labour's big policy. They're only budgeting $2 billion and both their finance guy and their housing guy have acknowledged that that's probably not enough given construction costs have gone up. If he had just highlighted a few of these things, Labor's put a lot of money in there, twice as much money that they think they're going to get from multinationals and unpaid tax. Nationals budgeted half the amounts that Labour has. So if he just highlighted some of those maybe smaller discrepancies, sowed the seed using some specific evidence, then he might have got more leverage with this. So let's just spell that out. So you're looking at the numbers in Labour's fiscal plan and and what you're saying is there's some numbers in there that are just a bit heroic, basically, in in terms... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what they have done, um, and remember that this plan has been revised. This is like the second major version of this plan after after the books were opened, um, had to be opened prior to the election. So Labour is budgeting on getting about uh, two, four, six, eight, um, about uh, a billion dollars from international companies that aren't paying enough tax. You know, National has budgeted about half half of that. Right. Labor says it's investing more in, in IRD investigation staff, so it's going to get more money And it's in line with back. IRD yeah. predictions. So IRD uses a formula. For every dollar spent, you will get this much back. And Labor, uh, dollar spent on investigations. So Labor says it's using that formula. But again, if you look at what National says it's getting and you look at what Labor mm. is getting, as you say, some people might regard that as being quite um, heroic. And, and obviously yeah. Stephen Joyce raised the, raised the fact that he can't find any figures in here for paid parental leave and he was suggesting that Labor hasn't budgeted for those but they are included in, in the family package. I, I guess I come back to the, 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 the this idea that National has built um, a really strong foundation in government over the past three terms for competency um, and for this idea of trust, especially trust with the economy and when you get to the point a couple of weeks out from an election when you're arguing about uh, the, your opposition spending plans and cannot name a single person um, it, it does not, it, you know, you cannot be happy with that. It's to- not, it doesn't look strong, totally, totally, it doesn't look confident. Totally agree with it undermines their, own, their whole, their, their, their key strength. Totally agree with that and the fact that um, it was over-egged. If I could just look at the other side just for a second here, mm. though. Political parties do do this to each other. And if you look at what Labour has been saying, they've been running around the country previously saying that National has cut $1.7 billion from health spending. Mm-hmm. Now, in most people's language of how we use those terms, that is completely not true. No. Health spending has gone from about $12 billion in 08 to about $16, $17 now. Um, they have justified that by saying, well, we employed an economist who we paid um, to say that it should have been a lot more. And so that if means it's a spending, cut. If they'd kept spending as the previous well, Labor government okay. had kept spending. And there spending. are several the, clauses exactly, and fine prints in that, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I do want to put that out Absolutely. there, that these aren't, this isn't necessarily um, the sole preserve of the National Party. No. Having said that, and I have been and remain critical of the way that Stephen Joyce has handled this, and I think what he has 
has done damage to his cause particularly on, and I think we can probably pick up on some of this, is that there are real questions and genuine questions. Lisa's dived into the, some of the fiscal numbers there. My issues have been more around the lack of transparency, or they keep saying yeah. that they're going to give us that, on things like a land tax. And I think that the way that Jacinda Ardern handled that issue this week had actually been very poor. Well, Let's let- have a listen to some of this, eh? Can you rule out a land tax on the family home? As as I've said, uh, the family home is not... A land tax, obviously, as you know, applies to land, not homes, though, Guy. But as I've said, nothing that we're looking at will affect a family home. So I've been not, really so, clear on that. So w- when you get your rates bill, it has a land value too, right? I'm ruling out the family home, Guy. The rest I'm leaving to our experts. Right. I don't want to predetermine so, what they may come back y- on. And And that was the first part of the interview. Um, you then spent about five minutes trying to pick that apart, and here's how, how it ended. But no land tax on a family home. I've, as I've said, Kion, I'm going to let, it, let the experts do their jobs and come back to me with a set yeah, of I'm options. I'm still confused but about we that, have sorry. Ruled, I'm still yeah, confused about that's it. That's because uh, you're confusing the way a land tax and a capital gains tax works, and I'm trying to make sure I leave the experts to do their job, mm-hmm. and I will make sure that the focus is on home ownership. Okay, but if I own a property, let's say in Wellington, and the land value of that land is 500000 are you saying that there will not be a land tax on that? I'm saying that we are not going to affect the family home, and I've been consistent on that. Right. Yeah, so she kind of got there, and then there was a... Ish. A, a, ish. ish, yeah. <laughs> and then got a media stand-up uh, on Wednesday about this, where the very competent and diligent journalists, many of them came away thinking... They haven't ruled it out. In fact, RNZ, who doesn't just put stuff out there willy-nilly, <laughs> ran stories saying she's refused to rule out a land tax based on the information well, that she gave. And it, so it's taken them... She finally got there um, as of last Later night, Wednesday yeah. night, ruling out a land tax on the on the family home. I actually... She, she said that I was confused about the way it worked. I wonder whether she's confused about that. And I think it, it was pretty extraordinary that for something that could affect... what million people or so who own yeah. a home, that it took her so long to, to, to get to, to well, a landing on that. Well, you can have a capital gains tax and also, uh, or not have a capital gains tax and have a land tax as well. You know, obviously Gareth Morgan she, is promoting one, effectively. Yeah, right? yeah effectively. Yeah. Absolutely. And I actually heard um, the raw audio from that stand-up and, and came to the same conclusion right. that she's not, she wasn't ruling out mm. um, a, a land tax. But then I think it was, she, uh, it was Jacinda Ardern herself who then subsequently made a follow-up statement to clarify the statements from from the um, from the stand-up. So it has been very confused. It leaves open a weak spot, and I think that that was even seen in the leaders' disp- debate. You can't answer the question. It, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just interesting to think about a land tax. Um, they're actually quite popular with some people. I mean, they the OECD the previous tax working group, the Productivity Commission, are all recommending Absolutely. one. Absolutely. People, tax purists love them. This is because Voters they're pure. So much. Because they don't. Uh, incomes disincentivise you from working theoretically. Capital gains disincentivise you from um, uh, from investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, land tax only disincentivises you from buying another house, which is what we don't want people to do anyway, supposedly for a productive economy. So there's an interest. And the, and totally the ta- agree. The tax working group yeah. said, I think, um, 
that it could potentially bring down house prices by up to 17%. That's right. Now, so, so, so from affordability, the, it's a good argument. These are all good but arguments. But that's not what Labor wants to say, Th- right? These are all Labor good arguments. Labor does not want yeah, and I'm to not, back that horse. I'm not pre- um, going to make a judgment about whether no, it's a good policy right. or not. People aren't looking for me to do that. What they probably are looking for me to do is try to explain how it will impact <laughs> that's on right. them. And, exactly. that's, and that's what I was trying to get to the bottom of with Labor. And I think we've dragged that bit out of them. Finally. But, but you know, this is this problem when you say, oh, there's a big box over here with some potential things inside it and some experts are going to tell us which ones to pull out but we're not going to tell you and it runs well, into trouble. That, that's Okay, so are we clear on this? Just just so we can run through it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the family home, absolute no-go zone. The land under the but, house and yep. the house itself. Yeah, yeah. So and that was the gains, point she was missing yeah, and that's what we're yeah, clear on now. Capital yeah. gains and land tax for the house that you live in and own, your family home, is off off the deck, which is a clear principle, I guess. In yeah. that, in that hope they if if they roof over if, your head. If it's about home ownership, and yeah. that's what Labor wants to, to although increase. not necessarily as Lisa and I were talking about before. Caucus, sure, no, go. Um, not necessarily when you die, yeah. or when the estate <laughs> is handed on. So, and that's where wealth tax yes. and yeah. asset tax come wealth, into it, right? So, so then what is still on the table, arguably, is land tax on property other than your family home, yep. a wealth tax potentially, and an asset tax. And those, while we don't know what they're doing, those are, as you point out, very similar policies to top. That's what top wants to tax, basically, pretty much everything you own, everything that is an asset or contributes to your wealth. So, and this is interesting because it goes a full circle back to their financials, doesn't it? Because everybody's Mm. looking at their fiscal plan saying, wow, things are going to be tight. And you won't find the revenue gathered from any of those plans. there's no row in here. And (laughs) as she said, uh, as Jacinda Ardern said in the uh, debate, I've specifically not budgeted for anything from that tax commission, revenue yep. that might be generated as a result of that um, tax commission, but you're going to have a tax commission and do zero as a result of it? Well, this is the She's leaving that open, but, but that's extra revenue, be, which will help you balance get, her books. If you look at history, the, the last tax working group we had in, in 09 and 010 um, recommended a whole bunch of stuff, including land tax and so forth, and we're not, we're not acted on. No. So, um, and we go back further that, to the McLeod review in 01, yes. which Cullen and Clark set up, they recommended that stuff too. And they, they didn't want to go near no, it. No. And, um, you know, you'd so have there's to, a lot of stuff that gets recommended yeah, that doesn't have, get acted on. And you'd on. have to imagine that, let's say this takes place halfway through Labor's first term, elections in New Zealand are never that far away. Mm. And I imagine that that would be a fairly sobering thought to be facing the country. And you could probably think, most voters possibly would be thinking, well, they're probably not going to do anything uh, that's too severe on middle New Zealand because they don't want to lose uh, no. the, the and election. If I, so, if I had to bet my house on this, yeah. Which, uh-huh. Um, I would say that, that under a Labour government you'd get a capital gains tax of some kind in yes. its first term, yes. certainly on res- residential property, maybe, and then the, the business one is the interesting one, I guess. That's the harder yeah, one. Yeah, if you own I, a farm and you're living on your farm yeah. and then you how sell does all it, that, how does that stuff your suffer? business. But yeah. but yeah, we'll get a capital tax. I think the other stuff is going to be well, land would, tax, wealth tax is, is probably too Just hard. Just under a Labour keeps saying we already have a capital gains tax because they want to make that term yeah. kind of familiar and friendly. You already have it. It's but the bright what, line test. What this does, We're I guess, Raising it for for voters is that there is that bulk of middle New Zealand homeowners, um, and and I was trying to dig around some numbers last last night. Something like probably fifteen percentish of of New Zealanders own some kind of investment property. Is it that high? It's that high. Um, that's for the two thousand and seven figure was the best I could I could find. So 
um, I'll declare that um, it's not it's not new. Um, but that's potentially these people are voters, right? These are not the people who sit yeah. at home on election day. So these are the people. And if you toss in their policy from the weekend about um, cutting letting fees and rental requirements, I can imagine that um, you know that safe middle class um, being slightly nervous about this. Mm. Definitely. And this was a subject in the leadership debates that um, Bill English obviously would have thought that he was um, going to play a strong hand on. Uh, so let's look at leadership now. And we've had lots of debates. We've got the minor party leaders' debates. Are we allowed to call them that? I think we call them multi-party, <laughs> multi-party debates. Multi-party debates. Multi-party debates. Before you even get on the field, the lawyers are involved, aren't they? We've got oh, yeah. TVNZ debate uh, on Friday. And we've got this familiar scenario. I see heads nodding in the caucus room with yeah. um, Gareth Morgan this time trying to get into the debate. Tim, mm. should should he be there? Um, should he be there? That's the key question. So I think there's a uh, well, um, no, and and for for one simple reason, he there is a lot of arguments that why he why he could be there from a principal point of view, and I'm I'm very much one to include in debates if you can, but I say no because TVNZ some months ago laid down a criteria. Um, it was a criteria that Guy and you and I were in the meeting of. I think it was February or March 2011, where we sat down before that election and tried to figure out what the line would be to cross. Um, <clears throat> and I remember sitting in the room at, at, at TVNZ, and you were on the phone from Parliament, and um, <clears throat> there was about eight of us, nine of us, and and we were discussing this, and we came up with three percent uh, of in one of the last two Conway Brunton polls. So it was TVNZ's own poll, but there was a chance you had two polls to have a crack at it to get 3%, or you had a, a seat already in Parliament um, as a party and you are able to defend that. That seemed to suggest that, A, you were close enough to 5%, you might get a shot, or you were in Parliament and you had a right to defend your place. Um, TVNZ has been consistent with that threshold over a couple of elections. They deserve the editorial independence to make mm. that call. If you come in and the court starts telling journalists what to do and what to think, I think that's really dangerous. <laughs> I'll tell you a secret here, though, just between us and the people who listen to this. Um, we broke our own rules that time because we, we, we set the threshold, right, at 3%, as Tim said. You had to add 3%. Yep. So Winston Peters was out of Parliament at this time. He's trying to come back in 2011. There's the leaders, multi-party leaders debates just coming up. We say, OK, you've got one more chance to get to 3%. The poll comes back. I get it in my hand, pick up the paper. What does it say? 29 and I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? That's right. Technically, he hasn't breached three. And so, and then I... My Swedish initial rounding. My initial thought was, <laughs> I'll, I'll, he, he's out. But then I thought, that's the difference between 29 people out of 1,000 saying they would vote for him and 30 people that's saying right. yeah. that, we would vote, that they would vote for him. And I thought, bugger it. Let's let him in. I talked to the legal counsel at TVNZ and, and we let him in. And he performed pretty well. I'm not saying that got him back into Parliament. He's never thanked me, by the way. Hasn't he? Miserable. Um, I, um, I remember so, the angsting I, that day. I guess day. what I'm saying Boy, is we could, have technically, um, we could have technically biffed him out on, on that basis, but we decided yeah. in the interest of democracy and a bit broader to, 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 to let him in. Uh, 
these are hard calls because yeah. you know you can't you've got to set a criteria somewhere otherwise you'd have every bugger yeah. coming in there, there. Be 13 and possible par- there are 13 there were 13 parties in 2014 standing at you, yeah. you know where's the line you do have to set a criteria but we also got to remember that it is MMP so smaller parties do matter and even on that 3% or a person in parliament doesn't take into account necessarily your ability you might not get over the 5% but you could be in line to win an electorate seat so for example Hone Harawera who's locked in a pretty um, tight contest if you look at mm. figures from the last election in Te Tukuro, you could equally say he's um, he's got a real chance of winning a seat he's never going to get over 5% so should should he be mm. in the multi party party mm. or or what um, and then the other thing is I mean, recently we had a multi-party debate on The Nation and Top was also making noises about wanting to be in that too and hinting at legal action. Um, and we, so uh, there's a precedent there for the illegal yeah, approach? Yeah, yes, but we dodged that bullet because um, Peter Dunn fell on his sword. Vacant podium. <laughs> so there was space there for him. Vacant podium. But then we had to say, well, if we were inviting him on to fill that podium... We've got to invite mm. Hone Harawera on. Yeah. And as you say, the door, then you've just got everybody at the door. That's right. And, and we went through this in the last election with Colin Craig on The Nation. Was We, we left him out. It was, you know, I, it was a really tough call, but we made yeah. the argument. We'd, we'd had him on a lot as a guest. It was, you know, there was, there was the point is there is no wrong and, and right. There is no us. perfect solution. And he, and he injuncted us. us. And we had yeah. to get him on. And people worked all night to get the lighting rig up and the podiums in. I hope they've got a and, lot of spare podiums <laughs> down exactly. the road. And the good thing um, about this election campaign, in my eyes, um, as a member of the media, I think the media's done a pretty good job of a lot of these debates, and you're seeing them on other platforms as well, like the spin off or other websites, yeah. and you're seeing live stream debates. Now, I know that they don't have the same audience as these big ones, but um, you know that people are getting a chance to, to have a look at all these and, guys and, and, and what let, the policies are. You know, let's step back. If we do end up with the two major parties both somewhere around 40 ish, um, or a little bit more, a little bit less, then these miners, you know, Hone making it in or not, the Maori Party getting one or two electorates, mm. this could be crucial. This could absolutely swing the election. So, you know, we, we could be getting down where these things matter significantly, as could, if I can throw you on this one, um, spending plans for um, for the for the people like Winston Peters. Yeah, yeah, and that, I mean, uh, Steve Joyce likes to talk about the hole that he says is in um, Labour's fiscals, but um, what, what would we call the one in Winston Peters? The vortex, I like to call it, <laughs> in inverted commas. And, and Top actually put out an analysis at, at the same time that Stephen Joyce has been going on about this $11 billion hole. They put out an analysis of Winston promises for the first term, and they have costed them at about $55 billion worth of promises for the first term. Um, and just to give listeners an idea, we get about $14 billion a year in tax. Yeah, let's so, put some context. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just just for some context, and we've discussed it before on, on Caucus, you know, he wants to get rid of GST on food. That's $3.6 billion. He wants to lower company tax to $0.25 cents in the dollar. Um, it would cost about three, take $3 billion out of um, the tax pot if he gives GST back to the regions. Uh, 1,800 new police using Labor's calculations because their figures are around the same. Mm-hmm. $324 million. He wants three free GP visits for pensioners. That's $108 million per annum, according to the top analysis. So both of these parties, Labour and National, potentially have to deal with this person and yeah. his Both of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So while Stephen Joyce is pointing out the hole in Labour, if he has to do a deal with Winston Peters, how deep are his pockets? <laughs>
<laughs> Look, and I think I think I I, I agree, Guy, that that the. Um, the press uh, core has been doing a pretty good job this election, but this is the one area where I would be, if not critical of them, I would urge, I would say, I think we need to maybe change our game a little bit. We've been quite accepting increasingly this election and in the last couple, I guess, but especially this election. The line that politicians say, which we've got to wait for the voters to decide, and once we know what the voters, then we can start negotiating. And Winston has a line about, I won't, I won't show you my cards until they've been dealt. Um, I, I increasingly think that's a very dangerous and, and quite, no, I was going to say anti-democratic and that's too strong, but, but a, a really unhelpful position. I think that when you're talking about $55 billion worth of mm. policy costings, when you've got you know, the Maori party or um, the Greens, whether they make it or not, every party could make a difference in this. We have to start asking quite hard questions about what these coalitions look like. I, I think it's a really good point. And I've got two points in response to that. One, I think we need some sort of independent commission that costs policies. Amen. I really do because mm. yeah. you're, then you're not going to have this kind of fight where Stephen Joyce comes out with his $11.7 billion hole, the media's scrambling around trying to work out which which accounting and it was method the Greens who wanted that, wasn't the, it? And the yeah. Greens yep. are bang on. Because I tell you what it would also do. Once you start having to submit things, you actually have to be a bit more embarrassable about your positions yes. and what you're promising. Yeah. Because if you sub, if you were forced to submit your policy to this um, independent commission who said, well, look, this is good policy or bad policy, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. It's how much it's going to cost and what would the impact actually be. Then at that point, it might temper some of the silly things, that the silly promises that we do get thrown yeah. around on. So I reckon that that would be one of the key things that, um, you know, and maybe an incoming government of either hue should should do that. Well, it's, it's a bit like, I mean, if, if Labour is sufficiently annoyed, about annoyed by it, this, and, and would... you could hear it in Grant Robertson's voice this morning and his, and his pitch <laughs> going up, there was three terms of frustration there coming out of him. It's like, we we are trying to, from his point of view, we've tried to cost salary carefully, and still you're using the same tactic you've used for the last yeah, three, well, America three, does three elections. America does a lot of as, things as wrong. As does Britain. It, as do, does Britain. They? Yeah, yeah, they I do. Know that. They they do. I know that the States does it. So um, that, that's, that's a lot of the... But I, I guess just on that, just that first point, my, my problem, I guess, my my point is, if we don't know how these coalitions are going to look, then come October, we could have a lot of voters going, that's not what I voted for. And and I didn't get, I didn't understand, that's what I was going to get. And so, I, that's my concern. So what is the list, what is the information that they have an obligation to declare, do you think? I think the Labour and National need to be much clearer on Winston, uh, which of them, particularly New Zealand First policies, they would entertain or not. And we need to, from the minor parties... Get a few. What are your okay. key priorities? And, here, and here's the here's what um, Winston Peters or his supporters would probably say in response, yeah, yeah. and in some ways quite legitimately. He's saying, "Here, are, here are the policies I want to put through. The more of that you want yep. in a government, give your vote to New yes. Zealand first." And the other guys in National and Labour are saying, "Well, here are our policies, and we'll try to accommodate as many of those as as we can in a negotiation." And in some ways, if you've got a view that you should be told up front everything, then you probably won't vote for one of those minor parties if you want to promise on exactly what you're going to get. So in some ways, it kind of is democratic because, you know, um, people will either determine that they're happy with that from New Zealand first, yep. or, or they're not. And if they're not, then then their vote would start to drop away. I, I guess I want to know what's on the table. <laughs> We're always 
around the table or on the table yeah. these days, isn't it? But but if you don't know what's on the table and you suddenly go, I voted for change and I didn't, or I well, voted for the status saw. quo. In 96. But, exactly. And, 96 this is, and, this is, and this is, you know, there's a mood in this. Is the mood in this election one of status quo that Nationals desperately trying to trade on or is this a mood of, of, of change, nine-year rule, et cetera, that Labor's trying to change on? Well, and Well, we, we saw that head-to-head. And Winston head, might decide that. And we saw that head-to-head in the debates. And let's move to that yeah, there yeah. because that's yeah. the critical thing on leadership and when you really see them go head-to-head. And uh, Lisa, I know that uh, you had a big role in that uh, TV3 debate. Uh, that News Hub conducted, and it was pretty sensational stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Paddy did a fantastic job. It was just really interesting. Not only did you kind of confirm some of the things that you may have known about policy, but there were actually some real surprises that came out. And one of them was Bill English after his. Um, party has has been pounded, I think I'd say, about not having a poverty target, all of a sudden this plops out of his mouth during the debate. This was a remarkable moment. Let's have a listen. Why won't you commit to a target to reducing child poverty? Well, here's a start, Paddy. On the 1st of April next year, because of the package we put in place in the budget, child poverty in New Zealand, according to the standard international measure, will drop by 30%, 50,000 fewer kids in poverty. I'm proud of that. We can do that in New Zealand now because we've got a strong economy, we've got the government books in order, and we're really understanding the drivers of poverty. And you know what we will do? If we can get elected, within two or three years, we can have a crack at the next 50,000 children getting them out of poverty. So is that, a, is that your target then? Are you committing to one tonight of bringing 100,000 kids out of poverty? Because you can actually make that a target. You've got a target for everything yes. else. Yes, I am committing to that. Yeah. Well, there you had it. No, yeah, the I power mean, of yes. I, I would never know, but if I had to predict, I think that was pretty on the hoof, wasn't it, when he was actually he forced to commit? He denies that categorically. Uh, yeah. He says it was planned and that I, he just yeah. had the right forum with enough people watching to deliver that. But I would tend to agree mm. with you, Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was saying last... I mean, one of the one of the, the things that National had to do, potentially, was find there something new. Well, maybe this is it. Mm. Um, the, you know, this could go... This, this is risky. It could go either way. People could fi- see that very cynical and go, as Jacinda did instantly after that moment, said, we've been waiting nine years for this, Mr English. Um, so... I, and I've spoken to some people who heard that and immediately their eyes rolled and said, too little, too late. But boy, that is something new. This is the this is the caring conservatism, compassionate yeah. conservatism. And also just, sorry if we're going to be cynically tactical about it, they would have identified their weak spots before they went into that debate. Mm. I mean, on Labour's team, they would have been workshopping how they were going to answer the tax questions, no doubt about it. And if they were smart and had identified their weak spots, it would have been housing and, um, and yep. poor people in and, this country. And, and, she... and he covered off... He covered that yep. off. And more than that, he actually owned that segment of the debate. He outpassioned her on child poverty, which I thought was remarkable. And when you're being relentlessly positive, you can mention the fact that you have not had this target and why have you had this target here, but at some point you have to quickly move on to the fact where you go, good job, yes, that is doing the right yep. thing, which mm-hmm. is what she had to do. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I thought, um, as you say, Tim, that Bill English in that segment um, probably outperformed her, which was a surprise because yeah. you would have thought that the social side was, was her. But again, it's so hard getting people to listen to you after that long because no matter what you say and no matter how good the policy is and how much more you're going to promise in the future, 
if you've had the thick end of a decade, people go, oh, well, why is it only now? Yeah. So you really are fighting that. I think Bill English has is, um, performed outside expectations. I thought he would be worse in the debates, and I think he's um, he's done Absolutely. pretty well. Um, he really has. And I think Jacinda Ardern has done well too. I was looking at both of them uh, on that night um, on the TV and thinking it wouldn't be a disaster if either of them won. We, we look to be relatively well served. And if that's the case, that probably suits her, I right? think it's right. I think yeah. that's totally right. Because I think she needs, looks equivalent he, yeah, enough. And I still think that Labour have the momentum this election. Yeah. I really do think that they have the momentum. And, and to put some bones on, on that comment about uh, about the, the, the him and, and having to defend a nine-year record, I was sitting in, that, in the audience at that debate. Yeah. I was sitting beside this lovely old guy, um, and I turned around to him at, at one point and said, what are you making of this? And he said, he's just arguing the past and she's the future. And it comes down it, to a lot of that, doesn't it? And it didn't matter what they were saying. It was just yeah. the visuals That's of what he's fighting. She, and he's doing a pretty good job of fighting is, it, but it's but really boy. hard to hold back a momentum for change, especially when you've got a new exciting leader. And, in and she, to be fair to her, Jacinda Ardern grabbed some new ground. She showed she had some chops when she yeah. was asked about Australia. Ooh, that, and <laughs> you know, um, My eyes went out on stalks when I saw that. When she was asked, would she retaliate if Australia took away education rights for Kiwis over there? Yes, she would. And another really sensitive issue on abortion, when she was asked directly about whether that should come out of the Crimes Act, she gave a direct answer. I was totally floored by that. Well, I wasn't play, expecting it, it. I know you've got a point to make. So yeah. Let's play that first so people can hear it. Should we change that law? Yes. Will you do it if you become Prime Minister? Yes, it shouldn't be in the Crimes Act. It shouldn't be in the Crimes Act. People need to be able to make their own decision. And I accept, Patty, that there will be people out there who disagree with abortion. I want them to have that as their right. But I also want women who want access to have it as their right too. This is about everyone being able to make their own decision. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. She'd been invited to give an interview for a nation item on abortion, and she declined that opportunity and said that it was a conscience issue. How and, long ago? Uh, that was mm, several several months back. Yep. So, but in Labor has previously its policy was previously that it would go to a law commission review, but she just came out boom straight away said this is where I stand on this. She made some decisive decisions, and the other telling thing was right at the start, and we'd thought about this question a lot whether it was possible to survive politics without lying. I need to give Guy on Espinus some credit for this because um, I actually pinched that from a debate that he did uh, in 2011. <laughs> it would have been. I thought that's a great question and a really hard one to answer. But she was definitive on that, categorical, where Bill English was not. He walked around isn't, the outside. Isn't that, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that funny? And Daniel McLaughlin has written, I think, quite eloquently on this question. Uh, so hat tip to him. Weirdly, it's Bill English who's telling the truth, isn't it? <laughs> Even though it looks terrible. Wow. Um, because, you know, I mean, do we really believe that anyone um, can get through politics without lying at some point? I, I, I personally, call me a cynic, but I, I think that she's <laughs> she's going to struggle like anyone sure. Yeah, and I have to say about that. But it was the right answer because, as yes. Daniel points out, that's what we expect them to say. We yeah. expect them to go through this idea that they somehow aren't lying, but we know they do, and we expect them to. It's just that we don't want to hear them say that they lie. <laughs> but but as a producer once told me, I think his name was Tim, sometimes you ask questions because they are a baseline for the future. Right. For the future. And they have and laid down one, some real bottom lines, as you say. That one is going to be an interesting <laughs> one. So just, don't just, lie. Just, just to sort of wrap up uh, here, 
Do we think that most of the noise is over now? I know we've got the um, the final leaders' debates, the big uh, press debate, and yep. also another TVNZ crack at mm. it, don't we? Yep. But you do kind of find that, um, like tapering off at the end of your marathon training, I was thinking the, the same uh, thing uh, this the, morning. The thing tends to you get a real calm before before the um, because, before the actual day. Well, the f- I wonder have, have most of the shots been no, fired, Lisa? The, the fiscals have been, but we can't, there's no, no money left, is there, to, no, to, for well, the policy? Well, they're, they're running out of gas in terms <laughs> of throwing out. Throwing out lollies and you things, but, yeah. but now I think hello. We next layer down the deputies. We don't have time to get into them. There's still some stuff going yeah, on that's there, true. Both of them um, <laughs> and the debates. They will because uh, the read research poll puts them. Um, Closer together in reverse positions, Labor's not ahead. I think the the National will think, well, this is still a fight, and Labor will think, you know, it's it's tight. Nobody can afford to give up. I, I, I guess it come, and they'll go hard in these will, next debates. They will go hard. They will go hard. Um, and and we're we're now in this, this position where I think National is. I still think National's using the game plan from the the playbook from the last couple of elections, and it's but it's different. I don't know. It feels different this time. Labor's. To be honest, Labour's playbook isn't terribly different either, but the times have changed, and that's we're going to see whether people get to the point where they just go, you know, status quo for one more term, hang in there for a bit more, or whether they just go, this is the moment to change. It does feel like a change election. That's that's still what's going to come down to it. It's that feeling, and I don't know, you know... Okay, decide, numbers right? in a sealed envelope. Let's put our numbers <laughs> in right. a sealed envelope. What's it going to be? But look, <laughs> we talk about winning and losing. The odds are, whoever... A quick question on this... Does it matter who actually has the biggest number? It might make Winston, it easier. It might make it easier for Winston Peters. Peters. It will totally it make, make it, it easier, easier for, for Winston him. Peters. Again, if, if Labor was ahead of uh, National on election night, it would be very hard for Winston Peters to stand in the way of that signal for mood for change in my yeah, view. Very I, hard. I think, but maybe not quite as hard the other way around. Is it if if National yeah, were two I, points ahead rather than Labor two points ahead? He might still have a mandate to go with with a with a change government. He might do, yeah. I think if it's close, he would still have. Um, I don't think there would be any cries of constitutional crisis it if National was forty two and Labor was forty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been very hard for him back in the old um, days. Do you remember a guy called Andrew Little <laughs> um, when, when they were at twenty four, twenty five? You know, mandate. stacking yeah. up that sort of man. And, and to be fair to the guy, he acknowledged that himself. But um, yeah, I mean, if Labor was ahead uh, of National on the night, it would make it a lot easier for Peter's. Yeah, if there's yeah. a whiskey. If there's a whisker <laughs> in it, it might malt. come down to the whiskey. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, too. Um, thank you to our man and Blair in the uh, engineering um, in there. Thank you to Cobra Audio for our theme music. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, we're now on Stitcher at the moment, guys, um, please do take a few seconds, rate and review us. It's an app, Lisa. Um, <laughs> we've also got two other great RNZ podcasts um, running at the moment, two great history ones, one called Black Sheep, about the villains of New Zealand's past. Another one called Eyewitness, stories of people who were there when history happened. Do check those out on our app or on any of your podcast apps. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk again, if we're still awake, next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 